Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. This is a psalm that holds a mirror up to us. And uh, I'll say, as I, I said last week, and I think I've said in the onset the week before, that the intention is not to, uh, to be uh, offensive or harmful or any of that nature, but to hold, the Bible says the Word of God is like a mirror that we behold our image in. And if you wake up in the morning and you look in your mirror and everything is perfect, one of two things are happening. Your mirror is broke or you're deceived. Because <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you go, oh, I need to brush my teeth. Oh, I, I need to comb my hair. I can't go out looking like this. If every time, if we could go a whole year, if you go a month and read the Word of God every day and it doesn't show you something that needs to be adjusted, got right that's what the word of god does and this is what this psalm does this psalm is a clear reflection into the soul of man and so i want us to read this together this is our key scripture in psalms chapter 15 lord who shall abide in thy tabernacle who shall dwell in thy holy hill two questions who can abide and who can dwell who can abide and who can dwell uh, verse number two, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart, he that backbiteth not with his own tongue, with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor take up, taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He putteth not out his money to usury. In other words, he don't take advantage of people financially. It's still wrong to take advantage of people financially. Oh, let me say this. It's still wrong to cheat on your taxes. You can't be saved to cheat on your taxes. And you can't be saved to rip off the grocery store clerk either. right with God well I better just if you go to a restaurant and you don't take care of that waiter that waitress your heart's not right with God if you can walk out on that bill and not pay it or just pay the bill and not give a tip to that person you don't have the heart of God my I, I'm t- is this okay this is what he said if you don't take advantage of people financially some of the biggest tips I've ever gotten was when I received the worst service. And I'll tell you why. Because I want to leave an example of being a Christian. It doesn't matter how many times they messed up my food or how rude the waitress was, I'm still going to be a blessing. Amen. Praise God. That didn't cost you anything. That was free. But you can't take advantage of people financially. Amen. 
Hey, if you sell somebody a piece of junk and you tell them it's a masterpiece, you're taking advantage of people financially. All right? Amen. I saw all these face masks going around in the height of the pandemic, all these Vuitton face masks. And I thought, y'all know Louis Vuitton ain't making no face masks. <laughs> but if you saw a Louis Vuitton face mask, you tell this genuine Louis. And you go buy a paper win for $2, but you buy mine, it's $100. And you know what a real says, take advantage of people. Amen. All right, I'll move on. Praise God. He hath put it not out his money to usury, nor take it reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Amen. And we'll continue on in our series on a portrait of a true worshiper. Amen. Let's pray together right now, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your great presence and authority. I thank you for the spirit of liberty that is in this house. regularly visited psalms in our bible we I, I said this last week that we often look to various psalms in the bible to encourage us or when we want to feel better about ourselves or our situation and that's all right to read psalms for encouragement uh, like psalms 23 psalms 42 psalms 47 psalms 91 psalms 119 psalms 141 Psalms 150 these are great psalms of encouragement and jubilation but Psalms 15 needs to resonate in our heart because because David is asking two questions who shall abide and who shall dwell in the tabernacle of God or in the presence of God Psalms 14 is about a polluted man Psalms 14 is about a sinner uh, he says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. But Psalms 15 is not about the sinner. Psalms 15 is about the righteous man. That's about the saved person. So it's easy to look at wicked people and say, I'm better than that. I think that's oftentimes why we keep harping on the same bad people. Well, at least I'm not like them. But it goes deeper than that. Because the Bible says it's unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. Why? Because we can always find somebody not living it like we are and find an excuse not to live at the level that God's called us to live at. We can do that with our worship. We can always look at somebody and say, I know I may not be worshiping like I should. I may not be praising God like I should, but at least I'm not doing like they are. And so we justify the lack of intensity or devotion or holiness of our worship by watching someone else. Amen. Uh, uh, David is writing in the psalm, who shall dwell? Who shall abide? Who is it? Who is it that is able to do this? It's a psalm of holiness that promotes true worship. Amen. And, and this psalm, when placed in practice, very much mirrors the characteristic of a man or woman who has the fruits of the Spirit displayed in their life. I don't care about the gifts of the Spirit in your life. What about the fruits of the Spirit in your life? 
had somebody tell me one time, uh, visit our church and said, uh, I've, I've got gifts. I said, I don't care about gifts. I want to see your fruit. I don't care if you walk in all nine gifts and two not yet discovered. I want to see the fruit first. Because the gift of the Spirit comes through the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you're a hateful, angry person, I don't, want to, I don't care if you prophesy. If you treat your family like trash, I don't care if you got the gift of faith. Amen. And this psalm reminds us that we need to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. It takes a crucified man, according to Galatians 5, to live out what David has penned in this psalm. Holiness is one of God's most important attributes. If we should be preoccupied with the holiness of God in our life. Now, I know holiness is becoming, uh, is becoming a four-letter word even among Pentecostals now. We don't want to talk about holiness. Let's don't offend the visitors. Let's, let's don't run people off and talk. But I want to tell you what. If we're going to be saved, we still need holiness in our life. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. Holiness is still right in the church of the living God. And we still need holiness. And holiness is more than do's and don'ts. Holiness is far more than regulations. If that's all, when, when holiness comes up, if, if all you see is do's and don'ts, you miss the whole point of holiness. Holiness was not about do's and don'ts. Holiness was about bees. Be like him. Be like him. Be holy as he is holy. That's what holiness is. I'm not trying to be unlike the world. I'm trying to be just like him. Amen. And so we understand that that's what God is calling us into is that relationship of holiness because he is holy. And if God is holy, and it's the single most uh, named attribute of God in the word, then we need, to be, we need to be preoccupied with holiness in our life. Amen. If God's holy, then I want to be holy. See, well, the Bible says God's love. It says it one time. It doesn't negate the fact that he's loved just because it's just as valid as if it said a thousand times. But the point is simply this. God reiterated over and over and over again that he is a holy God. Holy means set apart. It means, it means set apart. Sanctified. It's not like everything else. Amen? Holiness is, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and, and I believe it was in Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, God rebuked Israel and let them go into captivity because of one thing. He said, you have profaned me among the people. We, you would think the word profane means cursed or, or that, you know, they brought in idols or something. That's not what they did. The word profane there simply meant common. He said, you made me common. You made me just like any other God. You made me just like any other statue, just like any you You made my house a common house. It, 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 they, didn't, they didn't do anything drastically or untoward. They just treated the house of God like it was any other house. And he said, because of that, I'm going to let you go into captivity. I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to God, doesn't want to be treated common. I said, God doesn't want to be treated common. God is a holy God, and he wants to be treated holy, and he wants his people to be holy even as he is holy. Can you say amen? Amen. That's why last week when I was 
we, we were talking about some things last week, amen, it was because we need, to, we need to keep the house of God a holy place. The house of God ain't a playhouse. Now, I, I, I grew up and I, I told you a little bit about how I grew up and uh, things of that nature, but, but I'm going to tell you something. Even though I think they may have went a little extreme in some areas, we still had one thing, that this house was holy. We didn't, we didn't turn the house of God into a playhouse. We didn't turn the house of God into a playhouse. There wasn't no monkeying around in the church. Because in the house of God, it was about worshiping the Lord. It was about service and devotion to the Lord corporately. Amen. I, I remember, uh, I think I told this last week, the old timers, they'd take off their shoes before they walked on the platform because they said that was holy ground. And I know there's no Bible that says take off your shoes to come on the platform, and we're not going to do that. But, but the sentiment they put out there, their view, their idea of it, it moves me to this day that they felt it was so sacred that, that they would remove their shoes because it was holy. We need to have a reverence toward the house of God. We're losing reverence in this generation. People don't reverence the house of God we, we bought into that postmodern Christian mess where everybody said, well, you know, oh, it's not about the, the, the church. God don't care about the building. God only, hey, God does care about the building too. Or he would not have said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He cares about it. He cares about it. And I want you to know he still cares about it. This place shouldn't be treated like, like the fellowship hall. Amen. This place shouldn't be treated uh, like the parking lot. We talked about that last week, but I want to reiterate that. This place needs to be treated with reverence and holiness unto the Lord. Somebody say holiness. Amen. We talked about that last week, and I'm trying to briefly recap that the uh, upright person leads to righteous works. To do righteous works means that we must make choices that are based on our commitments. Those who make poor choices generally have weak commitments and those who have strong choices have strong commitments amen so if people are weak in their commitments because they're making bad choices but if you're going to make good choices you'll be strong in your commitments amen praise god the bible has much to say about righteousness we went over this and uh, i'm not going to go through all of them uh, I listed quite a few scriptures, and you can go back and look at that. But a, tr but a true worshiper seeks truth. This is why Jesus would say, For the hour cometh and now is that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Amen. Uh, the second coupling of truth uh, is in the heart. It's in the heart of a person, understanding that when I worship God, I'm going to stand before God with a pure heart and worship him. That's why pre-service prayer is really important that we come in and we get the junk out of our life. We need to do that every day, not just before service. But we have that time before service when we come together as a church family and we purge ourselves of our sin and we get right with God and then we can enter into the presence of God together. Amen. And so we, we talked about that last week and I'm, I'm not wanting to uh, run over everything too much because I don't want to re-preach everything that I preached last week. Amen. Um, one of the chief sins of the church today, as David talked about this and we broke this down, 
Uh, he talked about one that doesn't backbite. One of the chief uh, sins of the church today is gossiping about and harming others with our tongues. Gossip, criticism, and slander have probably done more, more damage to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ than any other sin. Because we feel if there's some root of truth to it, we can share it. And that's not the truth. We need to take it to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, I think somebody needs to revive that old song uh, called Keep Your Junk Off Facebook. Amen. Amen. So I'm hardly on it anymore. There's just too much, too much junk on there. Too much junk on there. Too much stupidity on there. Too many mature Christians on there acting like absolute dingbats. I'm going to tell you, you are not going to convert somebody by being on there constantly whipping somebody with your political opinion or whatever opinion. It don't work like that. I know we are. Well, I've got the right to free speech. we got the right to free speech. That has nothing to do with that. But I'm a Christian before I'm an American. Amen. I love this country as much as anybody else. But my sole goal is not to make the flag wave, but lift up the banner of the bloodstained cross that's what our goal ultimately is is to bring people to the foot of the cross not to get out there and air out every thought i have about every person believe me i got a lot of thoughts you want to know my thoughts on politics come ask me after church i don't mind and i'm not and i'm not saying it's wrong to do it i'm just saying i want to influence people in a different direction i want to influence them toward god i don't want to be a stumbling block amen i'm not going to pick on somebody over this or that social media the bible said finally brother whatsoever things are holy whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things boy on that scripture alone a lot of people's in eternal trouble right there think on these things it's easy to get caught up and be whipped into uh, an emotional frenzy about about politics and and the economy believe me we we got a lot to be whipped up about. Say, it don't bother me at all. You must not be driving a car. I mean, 749 a gallon is a little steep for me. I don't know about you, but it's a little steep for me. There's things that we can get whipped up, but I'm not going to let the devil take my joy and my victory. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I still can put fuel in my truck. Amen. I'm going to find a good thing to celebrate about. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to every once in a while say, come on, man, get these gas prices down. But I'm going to find a reason to, you know, a while back I was, maybe it's last week, I was filling my truck up and, man, uh, or it's a couple of weeks ago, it was $7.49 a gallon. $7.49 a gallon for diesel. And this, and this just, you know, <laughs> this goes how to show you how smart the environmentalists are. It's a waste product. If we didn't use it in diesels, they'd be pouring it out somewhere. We're doing the environment a favor, right? But it's more expensive than everything else. And I'm sitting there helping the environment by putting it in my truck, right? $7.49 a gallon. And I looked over at the pump beside me, and I, I watched a lady pull off with two empty car seats in the back of her car, and she'd put $11 in, the, in, in, in her car. And I didn't even notice that until she pulled off, and I just thought, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for blessing me that I'm able to put more than $11 in my gas tank right now. I switched. I went from an attitude of being ticked off to being glad that I am blessed enough of the Lord that God has kept me. And it's all about perspective. 
It's all about perspective. Amen. And, and you, you get on there, and, and I'm telling you, you get on Facebook and just see man, people share stuff, and they don't even verify what they share. They just agree with it. I have seen more smart people share dumb stuff. College-educated people share the stupidest stuff. Because you get on, and you'll, you'll read this headline, and it's outrageous. And you read it, but because you have a bias toward the opinion they came to, you'll say, like it. But I started a few years ago clicking on the links. Well, man, what that headline, you know, it would say, Donald Trump eats small children in the Oval Office. Barack Obama drinks the blood of children in the Oval Office. And you click on it, and it's satire. And they share it with the comment. See, I knew it was happening. And you click on the link, and it's satire. But they... Right. Did, that, did that bring anybody closer to Jesus? Did it bring me closer to him? No. I'm t- I got to get off this because, man, I could be on this alone. I'm going to do a Bible study series on Facebook and how to stay saved. Amen. I mean, some of this stuff drives me crazy. I just think, what's wrong with people? Now, I think we need to love everybody. But I'm going to tell you something. When, when, when one of our young ladies backslides, y'all hold on to me. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. We'll have an altar call and you get glad, but just hold on. When a young man or a young lady backslides from the church and they go out dressing like the world, and then you got church people going, you look so beautiful. Really? You just validated them. You're going to have to stand before God and answer why you just told them what they did was acceptable in God's sight. But the one that really gets me is when they get knocked up and they get on their congratulations, we're so happy for getting knocked up. I'm sorry, what, what is the word we're supposed to use? Can't use knocked up. Unex, un, unexpected uh, pregnancy. Is, I, I gotta, we just called it knocked up, okay? I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not right. It's not right. We shouldn't be on there congratulating that mess. So what are we supposed to do? Tell them they're going to hell? No. Say we're praying for a safe delivery. And in this society, thank you for not murdering that thing. Amen. Prominent senator said yesterday, she said, we need to shut down all the pregnancy centers that are encouraging people to not abort their children. We need to, we need to tell people that have a birth, say, thank you for not terminating a life God gave this earth. I'm totally convinced, you can call me crazy, but I'm totally convinced the cure to cancer, God already put in the world, but it was aborted in the womb. So we'll live with that curse for generations more. Just kept killing it. God keeps trying to send gifts, we just keep killing it. Amen. Praise God. So, so you, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Hey, you got to be careful not to get emotional on social media. I'm still talking about the portrait of a true worshiper. And sometimes it's not easy. Man, I, I told you last week, I don't read a lot on Facebook. Now I'll post and I'll get off. Just, um, you say, well, pastor, you just need to, you know, you just need to toughen it up. I look, I just, I just choose not to, to waller in that stuff. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but sometimes it gets to me. I, I, it gets to me. Glorifying sin. I thought we were supposed to be the antithesis of sin. I don't want to glorify that stuff. And I don't want to see it be glorified. I'm going to tell you, pastoring was a whole lot more fun before Facebook. I'll tell you that. 
Things you wondered. I wonder if they, and then they put it on Facebook. Man, they do. Back when ignorance was bliss, amen. Praise God. We, we got to be Christians on, on Instagram and Twitter. I, I know somebody, I think it's a, a year or so ago, somebody came, I think it went to my wife or somebody was like, I post stuff and your husband never likes it. <laughs> She's like, he don't even like my stuff. He don't read it. <laughs> if you get emotional about who likes and who don't like your stuff, you're, you're not ready for social media. You're not emotionally mature enough. If you're going to let your victory be determined, right? Well, praise God. I have a choice, as you have a choice. And I want my words to count. I want my words to count. And I wanted them to be counted for godliness and righteousness and uplifting and encouraging. Amen? To be, the Bible says that, that we are to be filled with singing and praise, Psalms 126 and 2. To be just, Proverbs 10 and 20. To be wise, Proverbs 12 and 18. Proverbs 15 and 2 says that uh, one that uses knowledge, Proverbs 15 and 4, filled with wholesome words. When truth stirs in our hearts, our words are going to be affected by the presence of the Lord. The Lord wants obedient, truth-speaking servants to dwell in his tabernacle and in his holy hill. Does that make sense? God wants truth-seekers to be worshipers in his holy house. I'm talking about a portrait of a true worshiper. Amen. A true worshiper has right relationship. Everybody say right relationship. And now we're coming to the third couplet. A true worshiper has right relationship with others a true worshiper will not do evil to his neighbor nor will he take up a reproach against them genuine worshipers true worshipers will maintain right relationships with people and with Christ a true worshiper does not bring harm to them a true worshiper will not discredit a person in the eyes of others I'm still in the book, man. I, I know it's 2022 and they, you know, we don't want to talk about it, but I'm still, I'm, I'm in the Bible. A true worshiper wants their words to be truthful and affirming. And that's far different than being tolerant and silent. They, they want their words to be truthful and affirming. Here's some great questions to ask yourself. Do I treat other people with respect, especially those who have a less important uh, position in life than I do do I treat people that, that might could be seen you know this is so true this is a question you gotta um, I saw it's just Pentecostals here tonight it, it, it's just home folk for the most part um, I'm wondering how transparent I should be okay alright I'm gonna be clear as mud on this one you ready I saw a meme and I thought, if it weren't so true, <laughs> it wouldn't be funny. It was a meme of, of an old lady, and I think she's a character on the show or something. I don't know. And she got her hat on, her hair all done up, right? She's behind the wheel of a car, smiling, dressed in her Sunday best, says, church is over, time to go to the restaurant and be a jerk. And I thought, boy, how true is that? 
Now, I'm not talking about anybody here. Of course, I'm not talking about us. We wouldn't do that. If you treat people rude, tell them you go to another church in town. Don't tell them you go to first church. You find the name of a church that don't preach truth and say you're a part of that church, okay? Don't say you're a part of us. Tell them you're first Baptist, not first church, all right? Tell them you're Catholic or something, all right? Don't tell them you're part of us. <laughs> Amen. I, you, you know, you know how many, it, 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 my, my wife went out to uh, lunch several years ago, and uh, she met up with some, some friends from, in, from out of town, and they all met in Vacaville, and, and they're all apostolic, and some pastor's wives, and some, you know, whatever, they got together. And the waitress was having a bad day. She was rude. She kept getting the service wrong. She kept getting orders wrong. And, of course, you know my wife. And she is, if you look up patience in the dictionary, it's got her picture right beside it. And if you don't believe me, we just celebrated 19 years of marriage last week. you got to have the patience of Job to stick with me 19 years. She's got patience. She's got them in spades, you know. And she's just they're getting chippy and they're getting kind of frustrated all of them's on the time crunch and um, they bring the bills out and they all start my wife starts looking around the table and they're all getting up and she looked and hardly anyone had left that server a tip my wife don't get upset very often she, she doesn't um, one time I made her really mad I didn't see her for three days. Yeah. Finally, the swelling in my eyes went down enough, and I was able to see her. <laughs> y'all notice she ain't in here, and I can tell these jokes. But y'all know, she, she don't get upset. But treat somebody unkind, and, and that, that will put her out of her comfort zone. And she picked up every ticket and reached in her wallet and pulled out of her own money to give a very generous tip off of each, each bill to that young lady. And she walked out, and she set them ladies straight. She said, don't worry. I covered your tip. You see, when you leave here today, this is still my city, and I'm still the representative of Jesus Christ in this city. And we're going to be a good example. A good question to ask yourself is, am I treating everybody with respect? Even if I seemingly think that their position in life is beneath me. Is that all right? Do I snub people? Do I talk down to others in condescension? Am I mean to people? Amen something to think about. I didn't expect an amen, but it's something to think about. You start talking like this, it gets quiet. Hear a rat licking ice. We're thinking about it. I'm talking about the portrait of a true worshiper. You notice, not one thing I've noticed was how well you can dance to a 4-4. Not one thing was about how you can run the aisles and dance and shout and turn flips and buck and jive and snort and wobble and watusi and electric slide and boogie woogie mashed potato and everything else had nothing to do with that I'm talking about worship worship comes from within and worship can only come from the pure in heart it's the portrait of a true worshiper the answers to these questions tell a lot about ourselves a true worshiper will accept the right listen to me 
will accept the right and reject the wrong. A true worshiper will accept the right but will reject the wrong. Am I doing okay tonight? A true worshiper will accept the right but reject the wrong. You need to reject wrong conversations. Amen. You need to reject wrong company. You need to reject wrong environment. Folks, there's some environments I ain't going into. And believe me, I'm old enough. I know it may shock you. I am over 21. I can go. I can legally be there. But I ain't going to some places. Why? Because I'm a worshiper. I'm not going to defile my spirit. Are y'all with me right now? There's some things my family does I don't participate in. I'm going to preach myself happy before it's all over with. I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, thank God my family, uh, there's been a revival in my family. I haven't shared a lot about but over the last few months, there's been a great revival in my family. My father has prayed back through. He's been going to church faithfully for four or five months. He's quit smoking, he's quit drinking, and he's added 40 pounds to prove it. Amen. I said, you know, my mom passed away almost three years ago, and, and I, or three years ago, and I told him, I said, Dad, if, if you plan on settling down, you know, he might want to take off that extra 40. <laughs> my brother's gotten in church. My sister's gotten in church. My family's getting in church. Great. But before they were, we'd be there for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Hey, when they broke out the Budweiser's, I got my family in the car and we left. My family ain't going to be a part of that. I'm not raising my daughter to feel comfortable in that environment say well you're just not going to win anybody well who's winning who? who who's winning who how am I going to explain to my little girl why going to a bar is wrong but sitting around in an family environment where they're you know passing doobies and slamming beers say don't, don't that offend people I don't know I don't care. Now, we don't get up and go, oh, God, rain fire on these people. Sinners, you are going to hell, buddy. No, they know they're going to hell. I just get my stuff together. Hey, love y'all. We're going to the hotel. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't make a big deal out of it. They know. They wanted us there longer. Don't do that. But what, what kind of Christian am I if I let them get sloppy drunk and I've got my little girl, the only thing she knows is what we do. I don't want her, I don't want her to see her papa like that. I don't want her to see her uncle and aunt like that. No. Say, you're just being, you're just shielding them too much. You're being overprotective. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be. 
for the same reason I don't bring a rattlesnake and throw it in her playroom. It may be entertaining at first, but a little bit longer, it gets deadly. Y'all still with me? I'm talking about a true worshiper. You got to maintain the purity of your heart. That means you got to be careful what music you listen to. I know I was born in 1980, but I ain't too old to be preaching this. Come on. You got to be careful what movies you watch. You got to be careful what starts entertaining you. Because it ain't entertaining you as much as you are entertaining it. Don't tell me you're against same-sex marriage and then watch a TV show with, 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 with queers in it. And before you get offended, that's what the Q and LGBTQ plus A, whatever it is. That's what the Q is. I'm not going to sit around and just be all PC on it. I'm not going to be mean about it either. But at the same time, we better wake up and realize you may not think it's affecting you, but you've got little eyes that know what's what, what you're watching. You know, it's funny. We grew up in Sunday school singing a song that's pretty relevant today. Um, Sister Jean, maybe you can help me. Maybe you can help me with this. Um, see, see, it, was, it went something like, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Is, is that right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father above, He is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little it's what you Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father above, he's looking down in love. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father above, he is looking down in love. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful. We, we grew up singing this in Sunday school all the time. I remember being a little kid going, watch out, feet. <laughs> watch out, hands. Third grade, watch out, hands. Here we go. <laughs> Don't look, Jesus, it's going to get ugly. <laughs> Oh, that's so simple. That's, oh, that's, you know, that's so pediatric. That's so elementary. Why? No, it's, it's true. Because a true worshiper thinks about those things. I'm about to take these hands into the presence of a holy God. I don't want it to shed innocent blood. Oh, I better be careful with this mouth. I'm fixing to go into the presence of a holy God. And I'm about to sing and give a worship to him. That's why the prophet said he angel came from the altar with a hot coal and touched him on the lips to purify. Listen to me. I know this is old-fashioned, but it's still right. I don't want hypology. Let me say it again. I don't want hypology. And we've got energetic, enthusiastic worship, and we always will. There always needs to be out running, dancing, shouting, all of that stuff. 
But I don't want it to be hypology where we just know to do it when the beat gets fast. Amen? I don't want to be fake apostolic. Where we're just faking it. I don't even want to be half apostolic. I want to be apostolic. I want to be what the word says, that when we worship, there is a purity flowing out of us that visitors and guests are not just attracted to the emotion, but they're attracted to the purity of what is coming from us and going to him. It's the portrait of a true worshiper. And there's a reason why a lot of people, amen, that, that come to church all their life can never tap into the vein of a pure worship. It's because they come in with a polluted mouth and bloody hands and try to worship a holy God. The only way we can give God a worship that he is worthy of is when it comes from a pure heart, being holy even as he is holy. A true worshiper is going to accept right and reject wrong. Amen. The fourth couplet of Psalms 15 and 4, it helps us to understand that a true worshiper will be known by the people that they accept and by the people they reject. I forgot what time I started, Brother Garza. Amen. You're going to be known. Hey, I remember my mom used to say, show me your friends. Huh? Now what? Show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your worship. Amen. David notes that, David notes that in whose eyes that is the true worshiper, a vile person will be condemned, that is to be despised and rejected. Now, what is vile? The definition of vile is that which is morally and spiritually worthless. Morally and spiritually polluted. Morally and spiritually dirty. And morally depraved. He will reject sinners and the sinner's way. Now, let me hold on in case you got confused. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm out of witnessing the people. I get to reject sinners then accepting their ways this is why I get, I, I get nervous with people saying well you know in the church we can't preach against same sex marriage we're going to run people off we're going to be offensive to them if we don't accept I had somebody ask me said pastor what are you going to do if, if, if two women come in and they've been and they're married what are you going to do if they come in and get the Holy Ghost get baptized well if, if they let the spirit lead them and guide them into all truth they're going to get divorced Amen. See, Pastor, I don't know. You're asking too much. Already happened about nine years ago. We, we saw this happen in a revival about nine years ago. Two ladies came in. They had adopted a child together. Got filled with the Holy Ghost. Got baptized. I didn't have to say one thing to them. You know what they had? They had the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost spoke. And they came to me and said, Pastor, we were reading in the Bible. <laughs> yep. I don't think we can be together anymore. You're right. Now, if I were Joel Osteen or I was some other TBN preacher, if I were some other, you know, pastor trying to just build a crowd, I would say, oh, it doesn't matter. God don't care. No, God does care. It does matter. You can learn to accept the person and reject the sin. 
Because that's, that's a true worshiper. You with me? That's a true worshiper. He, they'll reject the sinner in his ways. He doesn't want their defiling influence. A true worshiper doesn't want their defiling associations. And a true worshiper does not want their defiling partnerships. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Here's what we will find. A true worshiper will not only move away from those who are out of step with God, but he will move into step with those who fear the Lord. The longer you serve God, the more you ought to connect with people that serve God. You ought to find more in common with the people in the house of God than you do people that don't go to the house of God. Ask yourself these questions. Who are my models? Who are my role models? Who are those to whom I look up to? Whose life am I emulating? A social media influencer? Am I emulating those I see on the screen? Or am I emulating those I read about in the book? Those that are true worshipers. Whose actions and whose character do I find offensive? Hey, probing questions are always good for your soul. Ask yourself these things from time to time. Amen. I'm finding a place to land. I'm circling the airport. Don't worry. A true worshiper has unwavering commitment. I said a true worshiper has unwavering commitment. You don't have to ask a a true worshiper, are you going to be at church? You don't have to ask true words for you going to give. You're going to love. It, it flows out of them. The fifth couplet uh, shows us that a true worshiper has an unwavering commitment even when it may lead to their own loss. Here's a man whom David says swears out of his own hurt to keep the oath that they made. It may hurt him, but he's still going to keep his oath. You know, whatever happened to, you know, somebody's word being good enough? Amen. Told the story. I know I've told the story before. One summer, I told my dad I wasn't going to work for him. Working for my dad, dear Lord. My dad ought to be in jail for child labor laws. <laughs> I tell him that all the time. <laughs> Say, well, how old did you start working? <laughs> when did I start walking? We lived on a farm. We lived down in the country. We, we had animals to raise. My dad had a salvage business, and he paid us all the two fifty an hour. <laughs> and he would deduct something every time you drink a cherry Coke or something. I mean, it didn't mean, if your backside touched a stump, there goes an hour. I mean, he worked, worked you hard. So one summer, I think it was about 14, and we, we had to work for our own clothes. Now, my, my, I, I told you the story. My parents were, they, they weren't hurting for money. And I remember asking my dad when I was a kid, they picked on us about being rich or something at school because we had a four-wheeler and a swimming pool. And, they, and I went home and I said, Daddy, are we rich? And my dad looked at me, he goes, I am. He said, I am, you ain't, you ain't got nothing. He's just a bum. <laughs> We had to work for our own clothes, we had to work for our own shoes, we had to work for everything we had. Because my dad wasn't going to raise, a, raise a, a bum. We worked for everything. We, I mean, he worked us like a rented mule. 
worked us. And so I, 14, had worked for my own school clothes. I, I wasn't going to go to the school, you know, I'm going to go to school in the fall with the same clothes I'd wore in the spring. <laughs> right? Couldn't do that. Now, I'll, I'll grant it, my dad hand us a 50 or $100, and he'd say, okay, go buy all your school clothes with this. Are you kidding? Even in the 80s and 90s, you weren't going to get much clothes with that. And so we went out work. And so my dad said, well, you working for me this summer? And, you, you know, I said, Lord, no, I ain't working for you this summer. I'm actually going to make some money. The old man Jones over there told us he'd, he'd pay us uh, $6 an hour, buck hay. And he said, all right. And I went out there, and that's when I found out I was deathly allergic to hay. Didn't know I was that allergic to hay. Come home wheezing, rash breaking out all over me. And my dad said, well, how'd it go? I said, oh, I can't hardly breathe. I'm allergic to it. And I said, so I'm going to have to go to work for you tomorrow. He says, uh-uh. He said, you gave that man your word. You'd work for him all summer. And I don't care how sick you get. You're going to be out there every day, and you're going to work for that man until you finish that job. So I was out there bucking hay with an inhaler. You had to follow through with it. You couldn't just say you were going to do something and not do it. And my dad told me something. He goes, hey, we've worked hard for the Wizenats to have a good, honest name around here. And I ain't going to let it. You run it because you don't feel good. I'm telling you, I had rashes all over me. But I learned a valuable lesson. If you give your word, you follow through. I want to tell you something. The same is still true today. We need people who will keep their oath in living for God. Be dependable. Amen. Is this all right? Good. Amen. A righteous man will keep his word. He remembers what to do. He remembers to do what he said to do. And he says what he means and he means what he says. Now this passage provoked my own conscience because there have been times I have told people that I would pray for them. And I'm going to be quite honest, I forgot. Don't fall over in shock. Come see me after church. This is the same flesh you got. There have been people I told I would send books. And, and I forgot to send them books. There have been times I told them I'd send my Bible study notes or my sermon notes and, and, and I forgot to send it to them or to write a letter and I forgot and so on and so forth. And for some reason or another, justified or not, I failed to do it. And I think what most of us, that most all of us would admit that a time or two in our life, we have all fallen into that category. But the reason why we keep preaching the word living the word is because it provokes repentance through good works amen that we will keep on working for God and not let our failures condemn us to not serve God a true worshiper will be one who maintains the integrity of their word integrity does not start with our words but it starts with our heart and a heart must be regenerate, born again, if it is to accomplish the will of God. David informs us that a man, uh, uh, reforms us, uh, informs us that this is a man who will stand for what he has promised to do, even if it comes to a great inconvenience to him or a great loss to him personally or financially, that this person will be righteous. Furthermore, he will not change when there is an urge to bend buckle under pressure that a true worshiper will stand by what he says but more importantly will stand upon what the word of God says don't worry I'm almost done I'm almost done peer pressure is a challenge for all of us no matter how young you are there's peer pressure 
And I'd love to hear some of you elders say amen to this part because it doesn't matter how old you get. It's still there. Amen. You don't just reach 40 and all of a sudden not care. Well, I mean, there's some things you don't care about anymore. I'm going to be honest. Watch them playing softball a little while ago, and I, and I thought, man, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to crush Oh, forget it. I already done that. No matter how young or old you are, there is always a tendency to adapt and change when we get to places, and we get in places where changing is the easy thing to do, and maintaining your commitment is the hard thing to do. You've got to keep on keeping on because it's a portrait of a true worshiper. Am I helping anybody tonight? A true worshiper is conscience of their money. Amen. I'm going to set the plow deep tonight. The last couplet deals with money. There are some scholars who say this is a reference to tithing. But the strongest evidence points to lending money that has, an exor- that has exorbitant amounts of interest attached to it. Moses had condemned this practice very strongly. In fact, to take advantage of the poor uh, in this manner was absolutely forbidden. In Exodus 22 and 25, if thou lend money to any of, the, of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a user, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. So if you lend money to somebody that's poor, you are not allowed to charge them interest. This is okay, Brother Henderson. I've a few years ago, I got, a, I got word of the, of the loan that was happening in our other campus. And, and I went to the person and said, I understand, yeah, you know, wish they came to me first. I'd have said, don't do business with people in the church. That's, that's rule numero uno right there. It typically don't work out right. And I found out that this person, and, and they were, thought they were doing a good thing, but they were going to charge them 1% lower than bank interest. And I went to them and said, no, can't do it. Can't do it. The Bible says you cannot charge usury to your brother. And I said, not only that, you cannot lend to a brother with the expectation of return. What are you going to do, take him to court? You can't. The Bible said you can't do that. Oh, my Lord. I need something to hide behind right now. It's in the Bible. Y'all ought to try reading this thing sometimes. It's, it's in there. Leviticus 25 and uh, uh, 36 says, Thou uh, take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear thy God that thy brother may live with thee. In other, in other words, quit trying to make money off of them and help them. Amen. Did you hear that, Sacramento and D.C.? <laughs> God said, let my people go. <laughs> Tired of paying these taxes, amen. There were other regulations for money in the Mosaic Law. Deuteronomy 23 and 19 through 20. Uh, Thou shalt not lend upon the usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of uh, victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. Unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury, but thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand uh, to in the land, whether thou goest to possess it. 
In other words, he said, if you want to take advantage of a non-Israelite, you take advantage of them all day long. But your church family, the people of God, the people under the banner of Jehovah, you don't take advantage of them. Now, I'm being a little loose with that translation, but that's what he said. To the stranger, that is the non-Jew, charge them usury, but you don't charge another Jewish person. Amen. Wonder why they're so blessed? Wonder why the Jewish nation is such a blessed people? Because they won't take advantage of each other. Amen. I got to move on. Deuteronomy 24 and 10 through uh, 13. I don't got time to read it. Go home and read it. Ultimately, we must take certain uh, that we must make certain that we do not allow ourselves to be bought by the world's system of affluence and craving for money. Your brother and your sister is not an opportunity to get rich. Let me give you the great assurance in Psalms 15 and 5. He that putteth not out his own money to usury nor taketh the reward against the enemy. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Listen, all of these qualifications... After all of these qualifications, there is an eternal promise that is like what Peter wrote to the scattered saints of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. He said to give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. If you do these things, you will never be shaken. If you do these things, you'll never be moved. If you do these things, you'll be right with your brethren. If you do these things, you'll be right with God. If you do these things, you'll be blessed. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be blessed by the definition of the world. I want to be blessed by the definition of God's word. I want to be a true worshiper. Amen. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3 said, The man, the true worshiper, is planted by the rivers of water, bearing fruit, no withering of the leaves, and prospering. That's what I want to be. I want to be planted by rivers of water. I don't ever want my leaf to wither. I don't ever want what I do for God to go away. I want to be blessed as God defines blessing. I want to be a worshiper as God defines worship. And the only way I can be a worshiper is to be pure of heart and to be holy as he is holy a true worshiper has a foundation on the rock and the storm will assail it but it will not prevail according to Matthew 7 a true worshiper has a foundation that is sure upon the word of God brother Matt if you'll come Steve Lawson has written a commentary on Psalms and in addressing Psalms 15 in his commentary he gave the following story that I want to relate to you. A mother was visiting her son at college and upon entering his dorm room, her eyes swept across the walls which were covered with more than a dozen, dozen subjective, seductive and somewhat pornographic images. Her heart was grieved, but she said nothing. Several days later, the mailman delivered a package to the young man. It was a gift from his mother, a beautifully framed print illustrating the truth of Psalms 15 and 1 through 2. The boy hung the scripture that was in calligraphy on the wall above his desk and the more he looked at the verse the more he began to feel convicted of the Baywatch and lingerie photos that he had all over his room. That night as he went to bed he removed the pin up picture which hung closest to the framed verses. The next day, another picture was consigned to the wastebasket. Day after day, the pictures began to disappear off the walls. 
until only one frame remained. The illustrated print of the Word of God. The key to living a holy life is to live, listen to me, to live a Scripture-saturated life. When God's Word dwells within a person, sin diminishes. Thy Word, O Lord, have I hidden my heart that I might not, come on, that I might not sin against thee. Let me challenge you to get more Word in your heart than you get Netflix in. Get more word in your heart than you get YouTube in your heart. Get more word in your heart than you get Fox or CNN in your heart. Get the word in there. Because this world will dim and lose its value when the sanctity and the holiness of God's word stands. The light of his holiness always exposes areas of darkness, driving them away. Living a righteous life requires focusing and meditating upon the glory and the majesty of the word, the knowledge of scriptures, when united with faith, tends to drive out the practice of sin in our life. I want to be acceptable to God. I said, I want to be acceptable to God. I want to be acceptable to God. This passage is so closely related to Psalms 24 and Isaiah 33 and to a certain degree the Sermon on the Mount. It literally helps us to see the standard that God has set for those who desire to worship Him. And it also strikes at the heart of self-righteousness for those who think they may have nothing to confess or repent of. I want to be acceptable to God. That is personal conduct that is blameless. A life characterized by righteous acts. Speak the truth sincerely. Do not slander. Do not bring a reproach on others. Do not cause others pain. Distinguish between vile people and righteous people. Hold the sanctity of an oath or contract. Take care with how money is used. Don't receive bribes. Don't cheat. This brings security to a saint of it also brings us to a place where more than anything we are prone to see our need for God more than anything else because the portrait of a true worshiper is someone whose total dependency is upon God and his righteousness and nothing else would you stand with me my worship says Lord without you I could do My worship without sincerity, without holiness, without the love of God is nothing more than sounding brass and tinkling sounds. But if I'm going to worship God in spirit and in truth, listen to me. I can't worship God with hate in my heart. I can't worship God with bitterness in my heart. I can't worship, look, look, I know it's 2022, this stuff ain't popular, but it's still in the Word. I can't worship God with hate in my spirit. I can't be holding a grudge against somebody and worship God. The Bible said like this, if you bring a gift to the altar and you have all the in your heart, take your gift, go back and seek forgiveness, reconcile, and then bring it back. I wonder if we 
took that approach with every time we walked into the house of God to worship corporately that we came in and we said God I want to be right with you I don't want to fake it I don't want to be I don't want to fake it I don't want to just be noisy to be noisy now I don't want you to be hesitant to worship God with volume but some people that worship with God the loudest it's because they're hoping you don't see what's in them we have a saying back home that says still waters run deep shallow waters run loud you ever go by shallow rivers or white water around this it's aurora it's shallow ain't a whole lot of blessing in that you can't get you can't get oil tankers up in there you can't get shipments in there but you can go out in the middle of the desert to the straits of Hormuz right there in the middle of the desert and they've got a canal dug you won't hardly see a current in that thing but it's so deep those massive ships can go through and bring life sustaining materials to a people in the desert Listen, it ain't about how loud you shout hallelujah. It ain't about how fast you run the aisles. It ain't about if you can do a backflip and talk in tongues at the same time. It's about is my heart right with God. Because I may fool you, but Sister Elba, I ain't never going to fool him. You can talk in tongues till you get a Chinese accent. You may fool me, but you ain't gonna fool me. You can run like Usain Bolt around here, and you may fool everybody else, but we won't fool him. Because worship, worship is holiness. I want to get to a place and we've seen it happen boy Sunday wasn't that a marvelous service on Sunday the spirit of God broke out in this place we didn't even we didn't even get to get through the program or to even to the preaching there was so much beautiful worship just floating out of here people getting the Holy Ghost lives being changed sinners repenting and healings happening amen as worship went forth I want to get to the point where such raw pure worship goes up to heaven that a sinner cringes at the their own life. Not because anything was said to here, but because of the environment of the people of God here. I want to be a true worshiper. I hope this series, more than anything, has struck a desire in you to want to stand pure. have the baggage of how I treated people over me. I want to stand before Him holy, and I want to worship Him with pure heart and clean hands. If there's anybody tonight that says, Lord, I want you to frame my life as a true worshiper. I want you to come meet me in this altar for just a few moments. I, I, I know it's Tuesday night. 
presence of the Lord flowing in this place. If there's anybody, God's calling you to a deeper place of worship, to a higher level of communion. I want you to come to the altars for just a few moments. For just a few moments. Hallelujah. Why don't you just unburden yourself from that weight that is held Come on. You're in the presence of a holy God. You're in the presence of a holy God who is wanting. He's wanting that holy praise. Come on. You've got a song the angels can't sing. You've been redeemed. You've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. Come on. You've been made clean by the blood of Christ. Come on. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.